Welcome listeners down to the North Star Community Podcast. I am Scott, one of the pastors here at North Star Community and therefore one of the hosts of this podcast. I am joined by Teresa, another pastor here at North Star Community. We are recapping her message from this past weekend, which is um, uh, likely the second in a series. Well, it's definitely the second of two that you've done with more to come. Yeah, at least one more to come. At least one more. Last week's, um, which you can, which if you haven't heard yet, you can listen to it is uh, now posted by the time you're hearing this. It was entitled Doing Hard Things, and I think uh, if we were going to recap recap that very briefly, we would say something about the fact that uh, you, you were suggesting that a life of faith, um, a life in recovery requires us to be willing to push ourselves and to challenge ourselves uh, to do things that are outside of our comfort zone in order to live a meaningful life. Is that sort of a fair way of putting that? Yes, and although I didn't delineate them last weekend or the weekend before because that's a future message and, you know, you're you're strict with holding me accountable to only doing one message per weekend, which I really appreciate, as does the crowd. Yep. Um, but um, I didn't delineate uh, what those hard things would be, but I think an overarching point would be uh, it's very specific what these hard things are. And I used two examples two weeks ago that had all the elements of uh, the specificity of the hard things for my message three weeks because I am in my mind palace about this and I have it all mapped out. What in the world did you just say? I have no idea. But here's the thing, uh, that (laughs) you don't just go and just do random hard things, right? That doing hard things of a life of faith and a life of recovery have a great deal of specificity about them. And so I didn't delineate those yet because they're in an upcoming message. Uh, But that is where we're headed. We're going to talk probably the next time I unpacked one of my my messages on a podcast. It'll be about that. But today it's about something different. Okay. That's good, because I'm not clear on what we just discussed there, but and, but that's okay. We'll figure that out. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. It okay. sounds, like, I bet sounds my, like that's a future problem. I bet my listeners tracked with me better than perhaps you did. Well, you know what? We can Let's only hope, right? Pray, pray, hashtag pray for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um, this week, this past weekend, I named, I think, five things that people do that um, make it difficult for them to do hard things. So let me let me back up because I really liked the way that you started the message and you were hinting at it a few minutes ago, but I don't think you quite went there explicitly, which is the way that you started, you said, um, nobody has the capacity to do hard things randomly, essentially. Correct. Like you can't just live... Um, a completely unintentional life, wandering to and fro from here and there, and then expect that when you're confronted with a situation that demands something of you uh, beyond the the normal, that you can just simply do that without um, 
you, you, you were suggesting that you can't just do that. You can't do hard things uh, in a moment just because that moment requires it. You were suggesting that there's some discipline, there's some practice that goes into developing uh, the skill sets that allow us to do hard things. Yes. And and I, yes. Yep. Go ahead. And, and I was saying quite specifically two things. There are very particular things that we need to practice in order to be able to do hard things when called upon. And the second thing is there are very specific habits that people have that are going to make it very unlikely that they're going to be able to do hard things when needed. Um, and then before we get into those specific things, I added a footnote to the message as I often do. Um, and the footnote to the message is sometimes it's not our time <laughs> to do something really hard. And um, the reason I always want to talk about that in our particular setting is because so many of our folks on the weekend are new to recovery. And they they shouldn't be going out and trying to set the world on fire. They should be uh, taking their time to get a solid foundation in recovery. So I do not want to be one of the voices that doesn't understand how hard it is for them those first five years of recovery so that they hear this and think, now that I'm sober, I need to catch up with the rest of the world Uh go to work full-time, go to school full-time, get married, have three children, buy a house, um, all simultaneously. So that was my footnote to the message, that this isn't um, a call to shame, blame, or guilt anybody into thinking they need to redouble their efforts. This is just a whole different kind of conversation than that. Right. So, I mean, I think to... Um to dig into that example, um, to show what you mean. Um, so in the case of somebody who was early in recovery and on, on Sunday morning, we have guys who are, who are very freshly in the healing place, sometimes a day in or hours in even. Um, and I, I think that what you're saying is, is that doing hard things is not necessarily about just filling your life up, but it's about doing what's necessary in the moment, which could be a challenge for you. So for instance, somebody who's fresh into the healing place has to do 90 and 90 or right. something similar, right? Right. So um, you're not saying, okay, now now go get your doctorate tomorrow. You're saying- Do 90 do and your, 90. Do your 90 and 90. Do and that. that's really hard. Yeah. Do that next right thing as the discipline of training yourself to do uh, difficult things. You're not going to have to do uh, a meeting a day for the whole rest of your life necessarily, but you need to do that now, right? Um, as part of your process, and so um, I, you know, obviously, there's some discernment about what it means to do hard things over time because we can get um, we can get distracted about what the appropriate hard thing to do is, you know. Yes, and right. Um, right. so I mean, that's that's a whole you know that that's a whole tangent, perhaps. But I want to stay on that tangent with one really. A concrete example. Yep. Um, so I think one of the pressures that people early in recovery often feel is to get their life back on track. And we see this with our brothers at the healing place. They get 30, 60 days under their belt and they're like waking up. Their emotions are waking up. Their mind is waking up and they're like going, 
oh, wait a minute, I, di I didn't provide for my children and my wife, you know, for the last three years. I need to get a job. You know, and I always say back to them, you have a job. It's getting your feet on firm, solid recovery ground. So um, doing hard things is also situation specific. Right. All right. So dive us in. Uh, I mean, we're already into the message itself, but um, take us deeper into the heart of the message. So I think the heart of the message really stems out of the verse that I used, which is Psalm 143.10. So if we could start with that, uh, it says something like this. Well, actually, it says exactly this because I'm reading it. It says, uh, teach me to do what pleases you because you are my God. Guide me by your good spirit into good land. And uh, so I would challenge everybody. For those of you who are listening, she put on her sunglasses to read those verses to us. I'm headed to the beach, so I'm already in vacation mode. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't I look old and eccentric with these sunglasses on? Because <laughs> that's the look I'm going for. There you go. Um, so let me let me give it to you again. Teach me to do what pleases you because you are my God. Guide me by your good spirit into a good land. And although I'm going to get to five things that are not helpful, um, I thought that this was really important grounding spiritually because it gives us some premises that helps us not wander. So... It implies that we need to learn stuff. It implies that we've already turned our life and will over to the care of God, third step stuff. It speaks to the 11th step where we're trying to maintain conscious contact with God. And it speaks to the very foundation of what we harp and nag on all the time here is that this is a God who wants to give us good things. And I think it implies that this creator God also actually knows what's good for us, which is one of the reasons we want to learn from him. And so I think that's all really important and foundational. And then there are these five things that we talked about that if you're doing them, it's going to be hard to maintain conscious contact. It may be hard to remember who you are and who God is in the best possible sense of the word. And um, it's definitely going to be a challenge to do much of anything hard. Mm -hmm. I wonder what those five things were. <laughs> you need help remembering them? <laughs> Give me one and I'll see if I can remember what I said about it. All right. The first of the five that you mentioned was instant gratification. Yes. So practicing delaying our impulsiveness even in small ways, is super important. And um, my trainer has this, this saying called the what the hell effect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, it seems to be that when we practice exercising in a certain way, there comes a day where we are challenged to do more and we can do it and we're always very shocked by that. Mm -hmm. So... Um, Instant gratification does not train us in our mind or in our spirit 
for being able to do hard things. So stop doing that. <laughs> okay, so and, and ha- practice ha- delaying hang on, let me, let me make that metaphor clear because I think Go for um, it. I'm not sure that we, we got all the way there. So the metaphor would be, um, I, I don't know that we really got to the heart of the what the hell effect, which is you're practicing something over and over and over again, trying to get to a place where you can progress and do something more difficult and it and it perhaps seems like you're not making progress and you're never going to get there then all of a sudden one day you can it seems like it's out of the blue but it's actually not you've been building for it for a long time and it just doesn't seem like you're making progress when you actually are the progress is subtle um, you're often not able to specifically see those little incremental changes that are being made, and then all of a sudden you see how they add up to the ability uh, to do something new. And in, in this case, it's doing an exercise with a heavier amount of weight. Yes, and, and so you're suggesting that in yeah. our lives, it requires the same kind of practice, and you're going to perhaps have even the same psychological experience of not feeling like you can see any results or progress while things are going on below the surface, then all of a sudden, when something more difficult is required, you're prepared. Well, I think, and I believe that this is a law, just like gravity. Like, I think this is true in every dimension, which is why I don't care what dimension you start practicing in, right? Mm -hmm. I don't care how you, uh, what discipline in your life you add Pick one you really want to get better at, whether it's exercise or I'm currently taking a pottery class. And three weeks ago, I thought I would never, ever, ever be able uh, to make a mug. And uh, I've currently made two mugs. Are they perfect mugs? No, but they are so much better than I thought I would ever be able to do. And I went weeks trying to make these dang mugs and made what felt like no progress. So I don't care whether it's in art or exercise or eating or meditation or reading or being kind to your loved one. I don't, I don't, I don't give a flying fig where you practice. Just practice mm-hmm. because I think it does something for you. Okay, I feel like we beat that horse dead. Next up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're because practicing. I, I'm, 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 I'm not wanting to delay my gratification to go to the next point. <laughs> you're practicing delayed gratification. Yes. So mm-hmm. overgeneralization is uh, the second thing on the list of stuff that gets in the way of our ability to do hard things. So tell us why overgeneralizing might be a problem. Well, would you like to define overgeneralizing before I talk about it? Uh, I can try. Um, Overgeneralizing would be um, uh, taking something that you know to be true in one area and acting as if it were true in many areas, right? So overgeneralization would be, um, so in the the context of, uh, uh, of a marriage, you might say, um, I might say to Brittany, um, let's say Brittany has a habit of leaving um, dirty dishes in the sink, which she does. Okay. So it may be true that she often leaves a, a dirty dish or two in the sink. Um, so that would be your one true thing. And an overgeneralization would be for me to take that information and to say to her, 
you never clean. Yes. You 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 are always are messy. Everything you do is a mess. Yes. So that would be if I had which um is not true, FYI. Uh but it it would be taking something that was true in only one area and then pretending as if it were true everywhere and turning it into this overgeneralization. Yes. And so I think uh uh, another example for me would be I can't seem to go to the grocery store and get everything on my list, even if I make a list. And um, that's why your dad does a lot of the shopping now. But I have proven to myself that this is not an area where I'm going to make significant improvement. Right. But if I overgeneralize it and say, you're so stupid, right? Then that's an overgeneralization. Or you're a forgetful person. Well. Or not a thoughtful person. I am kind of forgetful, and I'm not sure I'm very thoughtful, but, you know, I, so, uh, but yes. That may be true, but we wouldn't know that just from your grocery list. Right, which you again. Would need, you would need evidence of seeing that behavior across multiple areas. Otherwise, it is an overgeneralization, even if it happens to be true. Yes. So I think, again, this overgeneralization is taking a microscopic view when you live in a macro world, taking a tiny view when you live in a big world, you live over a long time, and things that might have even been true for you when you were 12 don't have to be true for you when you're 42. So that can really get in your way. So I think the biggest problem with overgeneralization is people are um, cutting out bits of information they need to uh, either just process their lives or make reasonable decisions, right? Like you're right. taking shortcuts, you're taking inappropriate mental shortcuts when you overgeneralize. Yes. You're taking, you've got evidence uh, to the contrary of things that you need and you are ignoring it. Right. I think that's what overgeneralization does um, in a in a harmful way. Yeah. Yeah. Good description. What was the third one? The third one is distraction. Oh, man. Oh, distractions. You know, this is, I think, um, causes a lot of these other issues to arise, right? Because we're not paying attention to the right things. You just said in overgeneralization that you have data that would help you learn that your overgeneralization is incorrect, but you're not attending to it. And I think we miss really key points uh, that would be helpful to us to know for our own development and capacity for strength and courage and character because we're so distracted with small things. Mm -hmm. And so I think being distractible is a problem. Things like uh, somebody mentioned over the weekend, you know, spending too much time on social media. Um, they're just, um, just watching too much TV. Um, things that give you some kind of a break. You know, I mean, it, it tends to be that, that the things that we choose as distractions do something positive for us and that they give us a little bit of a mental break, uh, but there's a, which we need, but it becomes a distraction when it crosses into 
the territory of I'm not getting any of the things done that I need to get done or I'm not focusing on the things I need to be focusing on because I'm spending so much time taking a mental rest, right? I mean, that's yes. kind of the... That, that's kind of the essence of the problem with distraction is, uh, you know, distractions can play a helpful role in our lives to an extent. And it's important to discern when you've stepped over that line. Well, there's a difference between making sure that you're paying attention and taking a mental break. And you are, there's a difference between that and being distractible and distracted. Right. Which, you know, just being distractible often comes because you're not taking good mental breaks. Could be. Because you lose your capacity to concentrate and focus. Well, so there are, yeah. There are just a, a million ways we can go That's a good point that. because there are quality breaks and there are not quality breaks. Yeah. Right. And so there are things that you can do that restore yourself and things that you do that are simply zoning out. Right. Right. Yeah. Next up. Blame. Oh, gosh. You know, when we got to the blame word over the weekend, did you hear what the room did? They just went, ugh, yeah. not blame. Everybody knows that they have a problem with blame, but nobody wants to do anything about it. <laughs> well, I don't want to do anything about it. I want to keep blaming people. Right. Uh, but yes, uh, I was uh, listening to, you'll be shocked to hear this, on the way over here to tape the podcast, I was listening to sports commentators mm -hmm. talking about Kyrie. Oh, yes. Right? And they said that... We're Celtics fans in our family, so Kyrie Irving is also often the subject of uh, discussion. And so Kyrie had gone 7 for 22, and in his press conference he said, I should have shot 30. <laughs> this got the uh, sports pundits a buzz, and... They believed that Kyrie showed poor leadership in the press conference. Okay. And um, I thought about the press conference, which I had also heard, and I thought, yes, Kyrie was practicing the easy art of blame. Okay. And, um, you know, blame is cheap and easy, and we're practicing doing hard things. So I don't think we have to go into blame to too much detail, you know when you're blaming other people. Like, for example, last night, Dad and I were playing that game Ticket to Ride. Mm -hmm. And he got really upset because I put some trains in his way. But I had to put my trains in his way because previous to that, he had put trains in my way. <laughs> and so if you don't know what this means, you really ought to buy the game because it's really fun. But it was an example where we were blaming each other for some problems we were having in completing our route, which was putting our respective victories in danger. Well, that may not be the most useful example because in a game you're supposed to block each other's path. So you're literally, you're blaming somebody for something that they're supposed to be doing and that you should expect. In the real world, blaming is more like nobody's made any conscious effort to get in your way, but you're treating them as if they're the one responsible for your problems, right? And That's a better example, but I really like talking about when dad blames me for things that aren't Well, you're trying to fault. 
in <laughs> in a game, you're literally trying to get in his way, right? So when he blames you for getting in his way, it's like everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's I just guess. frustrating. But I think we all know what it feels like to be blamed. And I think if we pause for a minute, we realize that there are many times we've blamed somebody else. Yeah, we it, just are not often uh, aware that that's what's going on until much later. Uh, because in the moment, it's just the only way, I think, that a lot of times we can make sense of our frustration. So when we're tempted to do that, maybe we could stop instead and take some deep breaths and realize that blame is cheap and easy and not very productive. Or you could be focusing on the fact that you're frustrated and you could sit with that and yep. tell yourself, I am really frustrated and it doesn't matter whether it has a cause. Yes, and, I, and I'm going to talk a counterpoint to blame but um, in the next series message. But here's the thing. Blame is often a distraction from using the time you have to think, what is my part, which I think is a much better question. Just like, yeah. I'm really frustrated. What's my part in this? Yeah. You know, it's embarrassing how much I want to win these games. Um, I think your dad's worse, but I'm pretty bad too, right? So yeah, that seems like that seems like we just entered blame territory. We did. See, I'm 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 trying to give good examples, <laughs> but anyway, everybody knows what it is. Stop doing it. It's cheap and easy. You're better than that. All right, I know you're trying to get to the beach. The last thing was confusion. This was the last thing again. Our list is things that stand in the way of our ability to do hard things. So I think when we have these other four things, and these this isn't an exclusive list. It's just that I wanted to get people out in a reasonable amount of time. These are kind of like the big five in my mind. Not the only five things, but just five key things yeah. that you could be keeping in mind. Yeah. I think confusion is sort of the byproduct, but also the symptom of these easy things that are not helpful for building the capacity to do hard things. So when you're blaming other people, you're easily confused. When you're distracted, you miss things. Uh, when you're when you're exceedingly impulsive, you um, often are not. Uh, getting the benefit of a more thoughtful response. Um, when you're blaming other people, you're losing the opportunity to take personal responsibility and grow and mature in really good ways. So I think of when you're feeling confused, something's off. Get some support. Uh, go get some help. Ask somebody for some help because... Um, I think confusion or absolute certainty are always bad signs. And um, so if that's what's happening to you, if you're feeling super confused, get some support. If you're so certain, absolutely certain about something, go get that same amount of support. Because doing hard things is rarely done in the arena of certainty and almost never... Uh, acted on when you're confused. There has to be a bit of conviction uh, in your step if you're going to do hard things. Okay, that was our list. 
Mm-hmm. You trying to get to the beach now? I'm going to the beach. I'm going to go play some bridge. All righty. Well, that sounds fun for you. It is going to be fun for me. <laughs> um, this, um, what am I talking about? I don't know. Uh, right about now, you're hearing music. It is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions. They can be found on the web at sessions.blue. We are North Star Community. Uh, we are currently in the midst of a campaign called Lead the Way. We are trying to get local businesses involved in uh, combating substance use um, in all forms. And you can learn more about that and, and, uh, and what we're doing um, through that campaign at leadthewayrva.org. Uh, we really appreciate you tuning in and listening. And we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.